0: Clap, come on, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Good, morning. Good morning. Had to bring my small Bible. My King James won't fit on this podium here. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, my name is Justin Beshears. I am the college and careers pastor here at Springhouse Worship and Arts Center. And uh, it is an honor to work Uh, to work with these these young adults um, and kind of help steer them in the right direction. Um, I've been out on the path a little bit ahead of them and scouted it out, so I know some of the places we're not going to go, if that makes any sense. Um, Would you stand with me? Um, We're going to read a passage out of John chapter 21. For those of you that didn't have a chance to read their Bibles this week, we're going to get almost a chapter in. So... bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus, Jesus, Peter. <laughs> that, was, that was supposed to get edited out. That's the next stanza. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Father, we thank you for this day that you have given us. We thank you for waking us up this morning and keeping us in our right minds. Lord God, I ask that you would would open the eyes of our heart, Father God, that we may see you. That your spirit would reside here among us. That you would anoint the words that I say, Father, that ears and eyes would be opened and attuned to the love of Jesus Christ. That Jesus would be glorified and lifted high. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we ask this in Christ's name, and we said amen and amen, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'll tell you this, I am so nervous to share with you this morning. I sat over there and chewed every one of my fingernails off right before we got up here. Um, Honestly, I am more nervous for this than I was for any court date I appeared at, so um, just pray for me. I may cry. But I'll tell you that I am a crier. I cry at a Walmart grand opening. (laughs) But that makes my tears no less real, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I got some photos to show you guys of little old me. And maybe you'll wonder why I am the way I am. Sometimes in order to walk with somebody, you need to know where they've walked from. So you can understand where they're walking to or who they're walking towards. So... That's me and my sister, right there, my baby sister Jessica. That first one on the right, that's probably circa 1987. We didn't have a lot of options for Halloween costumes. My mom, bless her heart, she tried so hard. (laughs) I think Jessica was a cat and ironically enough, I was probably a ghost there, go figure. And that second one was probably the only other time in my life I've worn a bow tie other than today. Um, just look how jazzy and excited I looked right there. So excited about church. This is me and my grandmother. She has written me 31 birthday cards that all say, you, I am your number one fan. The money stopped when I turned 18, but I still, (laughs) but I still get the cards every year. It's like clockwork. You know, it's coming. And, uh, she, she is my biggest fan, um, Let's see this next one here. Oh man, now you know why I've got such a high fashion sense. Look at that shirt unbuttoned, (laughs) hair slicked back. I probably killed those ducks shortly after that photo. (laughs) Uh, I had a good grip, they weren't getting away. Um, Ironically enough, this was right after Easter, probably uh, 1987. Yeah, so it's fitting that this is again the week after Easter. And that's me. That's where I first got my love of all things hip-hop with the backwards hat and my tongue sticking out. So, you know, those were great times. I don't remember them much, but I know that they had to have been great. I'll tell you what that little kid did not say to himself. When I grow up, I want to be a drug addict. That child had no aspirations of growing up and becoming a criminal. He never said to himself at night, I'm going to grow up and destroy every relationship that I've ever known. I'm going to steal, I'm going to rob, I'm going to abuse drugs, and ultimately I'll get locked up for it. No, that kid, had he never said that to himself. But what that little kid did have was a fear, a core belief that was not of God that said, if people know who I really am then they'll reject me they won't like me so I've got to hide myself I've got to hide my emotions I've got to hide my feelings I can't tell anybody what I'm going through because if they know then they'll judge me I was born and partially raised in uh, in Nashville Tennessee my mom and dad took us to uh, Took us to a Baptist church probably a week after I was born, little old tiny baby, sweet, precious, delicious little baby. And they took me to the church, and uh, we went to that church for, for a number of years, but I never it never occurred to me that you could actually have a relationship with the living God. See, I knew I learned all about Jesus and I learned about God and I learned about the books of the Bible, and I did Bible drills and quizzes, and I knew all kind of things about him. But my understanding was that God is there and we are here and we try our best. And then when we die, we go to see him. There was no concept of a relationship with a living person, the person of Jesus Christ. It was a foreign concept. So nobody was here to help me with my struggles. My parents, they, um, they didn't intentionally cultivate a, um, a household to where we could not share they didn't say look I know whatever you're dealing with keep it to yourself I don't want to know about it that's not the way it was because at an early age I began to tell myself lies you are not good enough you are not going to make it so you should hide your, your feelings and hide who you are I remember growing up, uh, I've been suspended from school every single year that I've went to school, from kindergarten, I know, don't judge me, um, from kindergarten all the way up to my second senior year in high school, that's right, five, but I did it, praise God. Um, no, uh, yeah, high school, graduation, thank you so much, I'm, my high school graduate, praise God. Um, so, so esteemed here. Um, no, but, uh, but I was not a bad kid. I was mischievous, okay? And anybody that knows me knows that I don't really need this microphone for you to hear me. And so the problem was I would do something with a group of people, but I was the loudest one and would get caught, Every time I got caught, man, I was like you. I thought I was slick, but I got caught every time. But even that, as as every year of school went by, I began to tell myself, you're a bad kid. Maybe if you're a better kid, people would like you. Maybe if you're a better kid, your mom and dad wouldn't argue. Maybe if you were a better kid, then you wouldn't have been sexually abused. See I started when I was about 8 or 9 years old I began being molested by somebody that was very close to me And I already had this this deep core belief that I'm going to be rejected so now as a 10-year-old kid I have to carry this because by God if my parents know what will that do To our relationship, by God, if my friends know, what will they think of me? By God, what if anybody knows? So I hid it. And I stuffed it down and put the mask on and it became a weight. And I put the weight on my shoulders. So as I started getting older, um, they finally kicked me out of the private school after about 15 suspensions. They said, it's enough. We can't do nothing else with this guy. So my, fa- my parents were at a crossroads, and um, like I said, we were in Nashville, and so the choice was, do we want him to go to Maplewood High School, or do we want him to go to Stratford High School? And if you know anything about the area, that's almost like saying, which gang do you want to join? <laughs> which one do we want him to join? Um, so they um, decided to move to Laverne, which that backfired, because they moved us here to keep us out of trouble, but they didn't realize there's nothing in Laverne, so all you do is get in trouble. Unless you're saved. Can I get an amen from anybody that's young over here? Lisa Laverne? Goodness gracious. So, again, I tell you, I'm carrying this hurt. I'm carrying this pain. I'm carrying this shame. To me, nobody knows who I am. It's a fresh start. So now I can forget all that. And at 14, I, uh, I began to start um, using drugs and alcohol. And uh, mostly that was to fit in as well because the guys that I liked and the guys I was hanging with that's what they were doing and I didn't want to uh, be rejected by them so I started doing that too and then one thing I found was with that it helped me to forget about the shame it helped me to forget about the guilt because for some stupid weird reason I blamed myself for being abused I blamed myself Because I said I can't cut it. And so the drugs and alcohol kind of helped numb that. I know that sounds cliche, but mainly what it did was allow me to not have to think about that. Because when I thought about it, I wanted to tell somebody. But I knew if I told somebody, I'd be rejected. So here we go in this vicious cycle as a young kid. And another thing that we don't realize is When I started using drugs, I stopped maturing emotionally. So I stopped at a 14-year-old kid. I physically got older, but now emotionally I'm a 14-year-old walking around as a 16, 17, 18-year-old with shame and baggage from his childhood that he's not told anybody about. So I don't know how many adults out here want to make adult decisions with a 14-year-old Emotional state, but that's what I began doing as a user So the crowds I hung in got progressively worse they didn't get better. I don't know if you know anything about the game But you don't just find nice people in the drug game So I began to make bad decisions and uh, a week after I was 18 I was arrested and charged with three felony counts of sell of cocaine and cell of marijuana Welcome to the real world son a week after I turned 18 I'll tell you this I was scared to death because I had this idea that I'm going to prison for the rest of my life It's over with now And I thought I'd seen too many movies. That's part of my problem. Y'all should probably watch movies man movies will mess you up (laughs) I'm serious. I had this idea that that prison and jail Was like a high-rise apartment complex, and and I was gonna be walking in with my clothes, and they're gonna be throwing trash and cussing at me, get out of here! And I was gonna thought I was gonna get murdered. Oh, there was so many things planned. There was Shawshank Redemption in my brain, so I could see it, man. And I was like, my life is over now. Um, But by the grace of God, um, they gave me a four-year sentence and said, you don't have to go to jail. We'll suspend this sentence. And uh, as long as you're good on probation, then, then, then you'll be okay. So I said, fantastic. Praise God. Got to get out of jail free pass. Because see, there was, nothing there, there was nothing there that would warrant me to change. Does that make sense? There was no consequence for my actions. So therefore, the cost of changing was not that, not that great. Because if you're looking for change in your life when the cost of change is less than the cost of staying the same you'll change when it costs you more to stay the way you are than it does to make a change in your life you'll change but until that point you will keep walking it out with a weight on your back like I did so now I'm out of jail and um, my cousin began to try to minister to me and bless his heart um we were both reading the King James Bible and so it was a little you need to repent you need to do this you need to start doing X Y and Z and stop doing A B and C and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing I'm so new I don't know but he helped me along he got me plugged into a church um, and I got saved when I was about 20 21 22 years old 21 and I say that's when I got saved But like I've said before, uh, me and my cousin Tony have been baptized in every boat dock and boat ramp from here to McMinnville. And we've also said the sinner's prayers about 5,000 times. I'm serious. Every time it it was an opportunity because I need it because I had this skewed mentality because of the shame I carry for the things that I've done and the things that have been done to me that I'm not good enough, I messed up again, now I've got to get saved again. Like my name was written in chalk in heaven, I swear. I thought there was this angel that had a chalkboard and an eraser saying, let's watch him, let's watch him. You messed it up, it's over with. Sinner, you're going to hell now. You ready to repent? Here we go, okay. I, I kid you not, that's the, that was my level of thinking. I thought my name was written in chalk until I realized my name is written in blood. Okay? Okay? So I began to go to this church. I got plugged in. I got saved, sanctified, baptized in the Holy Ghost. And man, I was on fire. I had an excitement about Jesus, but I had no foundation. I had no roots. All I had was an excitement about the person of Jesus. I had not walked with him very long. And so I had this novel idea, I'm going to go back to my homeboys and we're all getting saved and we're all turning around. So I thought. Um, But I was outnumbered. Not two to one. It's more like everybody to one. So the more I tried to minister... The more I slowly got sucked back in because I'm a lone wolf I didn't have no roots no foundation and I started to get sucked back in and I even had some good brothers like come on man you're you're a Christian now you can't be over here with us bless their heart and I said no man it's fine it's fine it's fine it's fine and before long I was right back in the pit But this time I was even worse because I knew the truth. I knew the gospel and yet chose to go back out there. And I'll tell you, I was of all men most miserable because I knew better. So as I begin to slip back into my old ways... I knew that if I went back and saw that probation lady, that she was going to send me to prison. And I already told you what I thought prison was like. I'm going to be throwing trash. I'm going to die, and so I ran, because see, when God created me, He created a runner. I run, and that's the way He designed me. I was telling the the uh, the, the the people in first service that. It kind of reminds me of this little remote control car that my son has. And the remote only has one button. He's only 19 months. So, you know, we got to keep it simple. But the car, it does either one of two things. When you push the button, it goes straight in a direction. And then when you let off the button, it stops. You press the button again, then the car spins on axis until you find the direction you want it to go. And then you let off and push it again. And it goes straight. And so I'm constantly moving in a direction, but I hit that point where I spun my wheels and I started to decide what direction I was going to go in and I was miserable. So now I'm running, literally, from the law. I felt like Josie Wales. I'm serious, they probably had about three wanted posters up in Rutherford County somewhere because I was afraid to go back to my probation officer. So I was on the run for about three years and in that three years, I began to destroy every relationship that I'd ever had. The mask was permanent. I, I, there was nobody that I would let in. I began stealing from my parents. Stealing from my sister. Stealing from friends to support my habits. Lying was truth to me. What a tangled web it is. So I destroyed, began destroying myself. My drug abuse became more and more frequent. I was strung out. I didn't have a whole lot going for me. And my mom prayed a prayer one day after about three and a half years of watching me go down the drain after seeing the light in my eyes when I gave Christ my heart. And this is a bold prayer. My mom prayed. She said, God, I would rather you take him home than to watch him destroy his life like this. My mother Prayed over her only son, God, I'd rather you take him out of this world than to watch him go through this again. And within an hour, I was in police custody. <laughs> I kid you not. Three and a half years, I've been sliding by, snaking, go, oh, dodging. And within one hour of my mother praying that over me, I found myself in police custody. And I didn't want that either. I tried to run from them too. I did. <laughs> But I can can still remember, I can still look back, I can close my eyes and remember being in that field running from them and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit say, stop, and I stopped dead in my tracks. Now, they didn't stop, they continued. (laughs) They they didn't stop until I was muddy. Um, But I remember the voice of the Lord saying, stop, and he had been so quiet And out of nowhere, here I am incarcerated again. And for some odd reason, they didn't give me a bond. And I didn't like that at first because if I was to kill somebody, I'd I'd get a bond. It'd be $2 million. But I at least have a bond. I violated my probation. And they were like, you're going to stay here. But I know it was the Lord. I know that now. So my life was in shambles. I uh, found myself incarcerated. And... One night in the middle of the night, they came and woke me up about one o'clock in the morning. They said, come on, pack your stuff. I'm like, pack my stuff? I ain't going to court at one o'clock in the morning. They said, no, you're going to the penitentiary. Yeah. So they got me up. I got my stuff. And they uh, they took me and they put handcuffs on my wrist. They put a box over it. They wrapped a chain around my waist and put the chain through the handcuffs and put a padlock on it And then they put shackles on my feet and then they ran the chain up through that And led me out to this prison bus off of con air with the bars on the windows Saying, get on And that was one of the lowest points of my life because Physically, I'm in bondage. I am in chains Spiritually, I was dead and in bondage and in chains. And I carried all this shame and guilt and the weight of that from my childhood. And I felt hopeless at that point. And I remember laying in my my cell when they finally got me um, comfortable in um, the Department of Corrections. And I'm in a room that's probably about as big as that drum kit, no lie. Um, And I'm laying there and I hear the voice of the Lord and he said, get up and get your Bible. Is that you, God? So I got up and I got my Bible. And he said, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 19 through 20. And he said, this is what I have to tell you, son. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze that will fight against you, but, but will not overcome you, for I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. So he said, Justin, I promise this to you. If you repent, then I'll restore you. I will use you, In my kingdom you will be my spokesman you will be my mouthpiece if you return unto me and i lay there in that cell and i had nothing absolutely nothing i had no job i had no friends i had no car i had no money i had no phone i had no phone number i had no family the family i did have Wanted nothing to do with me because I destroyed all of my relationships even the one with the Lord the one that mattered the most The clothes on my back belonged to the Department of Corrections. I had absolutely Nothing and the Lord said I am all that you need I am all that you need if you return to me and serve me I will blow your mind If you just return so I did. I went to court, and I'd been trying to get in this program called Renew Life Ministries. And every time the DA, he was like Lex Luthor. He was like, no, go to jail. You're going to stay in jail. <laughs> and I finally was able to go to court, and they said, we'll see you when you get back. And the DA said, for some reason, it's cool. You can go to this program. And everybody's freaking out. Was like, they don't send people to the penitentiary And then take them back out when they go to court. That's not how that works. And so they allowed me to go to this program called Renew Life Ministries, and it completely allowed me to change my life. I spent one year of my life in devotion to the Lord, seeking Him, being still in His presence. Because at the end of the day, all I had to do was stop trying so hard, cease striving, and know that I am God. So the passage we read What caused me to fall? we well, see. Just like Peter, the week after Easter, after everything they'd seen and everything they heard, he went back to what was familiar—fishing. He went back to an identity that was comfortable. And Jesus, he's so good. He calls out to him the same exact way he called him when he first met him. If you notice that, did you catch anything? And they said, "No, he's a catch your nets on the other side." And they knew it was the Lord. So Peter throws it, puts his coat back on, which makes plenty of sense. Put his coat back on and jumps in the water. And he swims the shore. And there's Jesus with a fire burning on the shore with fish on it. And I don't know if you know this, but scent is the strongest sense tied to memory. When you go to your grandmother's house and you smell, and she's cooking, and you smell uh, the, the fragrance and it takes you back to a place that you remember. Just like with a fire, that scent No doubt, Peter was reminded of the last time he was around that fire where he betrayed Jesus. So it's no coincidence Jesus is standing there with the fire. And then he's got the fish on it. He's already provided for them. But what did he tell Peter? Bring me what you have. I've already provided the meal, but bring me what you got. And then he asked him three questions. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Justin, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Justin, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He denied him three times and Christ restored him three times. What did Peter have to do for that? What did he do? Did he deserve it? Was he ashamed of what he had done? The same way with me. I've done nothing to earn it. I've done nothing to deserve it. So how do I live drenched? Because my life has been a chains. spiritually, physically, I've known chains for as long as I can remember. But this is how I live drenched. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. It is no coincidence that the Holy Spirit said weight and sin. These are two different things. Do you know that you can be set free from your sin and walk around with weight and shame and guilt in your life? Do you know that that is a real thing that can happen. And he says here, lay aside the weight and the sin. And run, Justin. Run to me, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of, the, of your faith. So this is how I live drenched. Again, I told you I had nothing. I found this in my pocket. I would written this a while back. And I didn't know where I had it, but it's appropriate for today because this is where I'm at. Let the record reflect that this Lazarus is not dead. I have problems and pains with even more struggles and tests ahead, but I am definitely not dead. Many of you have prayed for me fiercely, and I thank you, but I am back. I am no longer dead, but alive. I may be bleeding, but I am alive. I may have to wipe my own tears or sing to myself in the morning light, but no matter what it takes, let the record reflect that this Lazarus is not dead. I have been in hell, and I smell like smoke. I am strong, but weak. I am right, but wrong. I am masculine, but yet feminine. (laughs) I am Clark Kent and Superman. I'm a touch of all things I am many hues I have no image left to protect I've already disappointed myself my friends and my family but I'm no longer ashamed I am too grateful to be embarrassed I was supposed to be dead but like Lazarus my life has been returned as a favor a gift from God I can never be who I was then I am being transformed constantly, and I will change colors right before your very eyes. Many splendid and multicolored, there is a new man in your old man. There is a divine education in the illiterate and a holy ignorance in the intelligent, for I am many hues. I have been given a new life. I have been given a renewed life. Told you I had nothing. And God said, come to me, and I will redeem you. And I want to show you guys what redemption looks like to me. Can we get the lights, please, in the video? What an amazing God we serve. There is nothing that is too hard for him. The arm of the Lord is not too short. that he can't reach where you are at. Can I get the uh, team to come up? The praise worship team to come up. It's my hope and my prayer that everybody in here is put together that you guys are rock-solid But the fact of the matter is a lot of us are not a Lot of us have walked around far too long carrying shame and guilt resentment anger fear Things you can't see but we know that are real For far too long And this morning, we have an opportunity to meet with the living God. For you, for somebody you love, in hopes that you never get there, that you don't have to walk some of the roads that I've walked. But now is the time, and here is the place, for you to cry out to God, because when I did it, I didn't do anything spiritual or religious. I just fell to my knees, and I said, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I am a wreck. I have nothing. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give it to you, God. And that's all you have to do with those that are going to minister. Please come forward. And I'd like for everybody to stand. And if you need anything, you come. You pour out your heart to the living God who will meet you right here this morning. And if you don't need prayer, then I'd like for, for you to worship with us. I'd like you to pray as well for the people that are hurting, for the people that are broken, for the people that do carry the shame and the guilt and the fear. Pray the God of all comfort would comfort us in our time of need so that we can then comfort others. Let's worship.
1: You stood before creation. Turn uh.
0: and father of our lord and savior jesus christ take the burden of guilt and shame from off of your shoulders would you look to the cross and its redemptive power would you focus on jesus christ and his goodness his sacrifice is enough may you never forget it go well be well in christ's name amen